Welcome to the Living Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Carey, and our guest for this episode is author and ministry leader, Morgan Snyder. Morgan, thanks so much for joining us. Michael, it's a privilege. Yeah, really good to be with you here today. Mm-hmm. So Morgan's new book is called Becoming a King. We're going to talk about that. Uh, that's scheduled to release May 26th. But uh, I would love it if you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, your roles in ministry, and what brought you into writing this book. Sure, Michael. You know, it started a long time ago, and it's been 22 years that I've been fighting for the hearts of men and in ministry with John Eldridge as we birthed Wild at Heart. But the major theme, I would say, over these decades, Michael, is... I came into this stage of my life as a Christian. I gave my life to God in college, and it was a pretty radical conversion. But what I was aware of is I was very young in my soul, very shattered, and very uninitiated. And so the story of the last two decades has has been the journey of being initiated as a man and fathered as a son. And so this book is the fruit of two decades of consenting to the slow and steady process of taking the um, radical road, the narrow road as I found it. You know, it's not something new, but newly recovered where I, can, I um, submitted myself to older men. I found mentors and men in front of me on the path. And I asked a lot of questions. What is it like to be Uh, come wholehearted? What is the path? What are the pitfalls? What are the questions? And the fruit of it was sitting at the feet of sages, some 75 after I sought counsel, and recovering through their lives something that needed to be newly recovered. Chesterton said every generation loses the gospel, and it's every generation's charge to recover it. And so becoming a king is my contribution to say, I found a treasure that's the recovery of an ancient path that deals with um, the, the process of becoming wholehearted as a man and learning to walk in real present tense intimacy with God so that we can bring our strength to our world rather than just the question and the ache in our masculine soul of needing validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Uh, so timely, too, uh, with all that's happening in our world today. I mean, initiation is definitely a, a topic that I think guys need to look at uh, with the, the COVID virus and these things. And, you know, men men are facing uh, financial decisions and, and uh, uh, corporate decisions and stuff. So the idea of becoming a king, I think, is uh, more valuable than ever. You know, this day, I think men are going to be facing the reality uh, of of their their lives and uh, the hurriedness and, and the things that they're, um, you know, the challenges, uh, the addictions. I think they're all coming to the surface as a result of a lot of this. Um, right. Well, what, whatever else is happening, we see that the world's being shaken, right? And Hebrews says really clearly, things are shaken so that what can be revealed is what can be shaken and what cannot be shaken. It says of Jesus that he will cause the rising and falling of kingdoms. And so though there's much loss and suffering and devastation and the impacts of what's going on are very personal to each story, what's so 
what's so hopeful is it is revealing what's going on below the surface, right? Like right. an iceberg, exactly. 10% you can see and 90% is below the surface line. And so much of us, the masculine soul lives below the waterline where you can't see it, below the external behaviors. It's on the level of motives. And I believe that in this shaking, in the place of fear, like in the place of panic and self, the self-life, a lot's being revealed. So I do believe it's mm -hmm. a very hopeful time. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So some some of the things in your book, I uh, was reading this story um, uh, that I that I really love, and I've heard you teach on this at um, some of the Wild at Heart events. But the words that your son spoke to you that began your own journey to becoming a son. Can you tell us that yes. story? Yes. And I think, Michael, at the time, I wouldn't even have understood um, that I wasn't a son. In other words, in my theology, what I would say is, yes, God was a father. But practically speaking, I lived as an orphan. And so at the time, what the symptoms in my life, everything, I felt behind, Right. So it was such a good question of where do you feel behind? And I felt like I was behind in my marriage, behind in my finances, behind in my fitness. One of my friends even said, I'm behind in my yard work, right? The crabgrass <laughs> is beating me. Whatever it is, I feel behind. And then this other question of the soul, of what's not working? Mm -hmm. It's such a good treasure trail. And what often we find is at the end of that treasure, treasure trail is the condition of, son, of fatherlessness. And so what I found in my life was even though I was a Christian, my operating theology was I was living as an orphan and a slave and not as a son. And God disrupted me in a, in a very powerful way. And the details of it are in becoming a king. But fundamentally, through my wife's illness and me at the brink of losing my marriage and my family, um, God called my bluff in saving myself. And my world came crashing down. And I turned to God through my son and cried out for the first time, God, you are a father and I need you as my father and I want to come home as your son. And that began a process for my son and I that same day. And we haven't missed the day since. And it was a shift in worldview of starting my day, whatever else, on any day, there are no normal days, but what I can do every day is begin by pronouncing the confession, I am a son and God is my father and I invite you God to father me today. And as that becomes my worldview, my view of reality, it becomes my interpretive grid. We see things not as they are. We see things as they are. And so what I can tell you, Michael, is the shift internally, not circumstantially, but internally from um, poverty to abundance, from fear to courage, from uh, timidity to confidence. It, it, there was, there's an internal shift that happens when we choose to receive God as a father. Mm -hmm. Yes, the expectations of the day, if you're looking at it like through that worldview, changes everything. It changes everything. Um, and I love how you, you set it up in, in your book. You said the recovery of our identity as God's beloved son and our experience of God's lavish love through sonship is foundational 
for our transformation. It's foundational. When we start there, and when that's the lens by which we come to see all things, it um, it changes everything. And for an example, you know, when failure, right? Failure, it cuts at the core of the masculine soul. And failure raises so many questions, right? In in your arena, there's often areas of sexual failure and shame, right? That feel unrecoverable and inescapable. Oh, yeah. Without being a son, when the identity, for example, is I'm only a sinner saved by grace, right? Um, I'm just an addict. The challenge is we never live beyond our identity. So as long as you're a sinner saved by grace, at the end of the day, try as you might, you will never live consistently and victoriously beyond sin because you literally proclaim to yourself and to the spiritual realm, I am a sinner. That's my identity. That's simply not true. The New Testament says that we are given the full life in Christ to restore the human heart. And Paul addresses the people of God, the saints in Colossus, the saints in Philippi, the saints in Ephesus. Like, yes, sin is rampant. Yes, sin is devastating, but sin is not the deepest thing. When we come to understand that the deepest reality is that we are sons, that we bear the image of God, the most important thing we can ever know about a human being is that they bear the image of God. That's the person God's relating to. And that's where we have to live out of if we ever want to have victory. And what I want to say, Michael, is so much hopefulness is we can have so much freedom, so much victory, so much restoration. It is available, but only from the foundation of believing, recovering, and living out of sonship. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I was reading this. how part of the part of your journey you said that you came face to face with all that you were carrying the terrible emotional weight of the idea that life was up to me in every arena of your life and you became honest with the impact the negative impact that you had in your most precious relationships and so on so do you think that every man has to go through this to come face to face with the reality of who he has become? Is that part of the journey and why or why not? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, Michael, one of my mentors, uh, he works with a lot of people in addiction recovery um, in all sorts of addiction in some of the most severe cases. And one of the things he often reminds me is every man needs to find his bottom. And so the question is, have you reached your bottom? And much like Jesus and much like the father, um, a good mentor is very patient. The father's very patient with us and he will allow us to sit in our struggle as long as we want until we say, I I don't want this life. I don't want, I, I, I want to become who I am meant to be. And so I do believe that everyone has to find their bottom and it happens in different forms. And, um, and so for me, it was a very holy day when I had enough healing that then I could face my wife and ask her, I would like to know my impact on you in, in loving kindness. She risks sharing. And she had many positive to things to say, 
but she had other things to say that um, it just broke my heart. And I realized that this is the one covenant relationship in my life and I have failed and behavior is not the answer. I need to do the deep work of excavation. And so my question back to a person is, what is your bottom and have you found it? And if you're not there, it's okay. It's okay. It, it needs to get worse before it gets better very often. But that's not the whole story. It, again, it's our shame or our sin. That's not the whole thing. God will allow us to be wounded in our wounding so that he can heal. He is the father of restoration. And so, you know, a Hebrew says like that he will, that we are to endure discipline as hardship because he's treating us as sons. Without a worldview of being a son, we take it as God is not trustworthy or he doesn't care. But when we're sons, we can say, God really wants us to pay attention to this struggle so that we can become healed, so that we can become wholehearted. Um, and, you know, just a small example, my son and I had a, a really painful interaction two days ago. And he, spoke, and, and he spoke some words to me that were coming out of his pain, but also that were very honest about my negative impact on him. And I had a choice. I could justify it. I could minimize it. I could blame it on other things. Or I could say, I know I'm loved. I know I'm a son. I know who I truly am. I know that at core, my sin is not me. There's a civil war within me between the false and the true, but that is not me. And so I began with God. What do you want to say? And there was a time of confession in my own soul of I need to own what's true about how I've heard him. And then I had to go to him and say, Joshua, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And I would like to hear more from you about that because there was obviously some pain behind your anger. And I would like to provide a space for you to put words to that. And we had to go back and forth. He had to do it as well. And that's just kind of the culture we've created in our relationship. And so I think what I would share um, in just closing with that idea of there is a lot of pain um, and there's no way around that. You know, I think a wise mentor once said that we can have humility or humiliation, but mm. there isn't a third choice. So which is it that you mm. want? And it leads to life and restoration. And that's the hope. Yeah. Humility or humiliation. You yeah. only get one. So which mm -hmm. one would you like to have? <laughs> Something that you tapped into a little bit uh, when you were just talking was um, the false self. And you talked about the false, what's false and what's true. Um, can you explain a little bit about the concept of the false self and what that really means? Sure. Yeah, I think it's a really helpful category to understand. And it's used, there's a lot of different terminology. We talk about the true self, the false self, the old man, the new man, the sinful nature, the true heart. But fundamentally, the, the human soul, um, you know, is created in the image of God, but it's fallen, as we all know. You only have to flip on the news to understand we're fallen. But inside every human being is a civil war of sorts. And there is a life that's the self-life. It's the life of the flesh that's self-saving, 
It's self-identifying. It's self-sufficient. And frankly, most of us live most of our days out of the self-life. Whether we call ourselves Christians or not, it's simply the independent life. And then there's another life that we can access that's the with God life, where we live out of union with God and through increasing wholeheartedness. And so the process of allowing Christ to actually integrate parts of the human being so that uh, the entirety of our true self can live in union with God. And Jesus models that. He models, he says, whatever I, you don't see me do anything apart from the Father. He says, I pray for them that they would be one heart and mind with you, God, as I am one heart and mind with you. And so there is the civil war. And I think a great example of it is Paul had a radical conversion. He came to Christ on the you know, the road to Damascus. But then there, there are 14 years, Michael, that we don't hear about Paul's life. It's fascinating. There's about 14 years. And then he comes out of that process, which I believe was a time of maturity and apprenticeship and healing of the broken parts of him and confession of sin, breaking strongholds. He increased in maturity and stature. And he became an amazing student of the civil war within him. And so what you see in Romans 6 and 7 is this incredible articulation of a civil war where Paul says, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. And if you read that text, then you can simply just insert the false self and the true self. That what he's saying is there are actually two people in me. One that is given over to God that lives in union with God, that lives above sin and lives in victory and in, in true faith. And then there's another, a carnal life that, that's self-saving. And he says, these things are at war. And the whole process of initiation that Paul lays out is a constant process of becoming aware, first becoming aware of the false, the poser, the, the way we hide, our version of an elaborate, elaborate fig leaf. And then once we become aware of that, then we begin to dis, disentangle the false self from the true self, dismantle the false, and restore the true man. And so the journey of initiation, both feminine and masculine, I believe, is the movement into an increasing awareness of when am I posing when am I acting out of the false? And how do I crucify? How do I put to death the false man so that the person that I bring more and more to my world is the true man, the true person, the person who lives present tense, alive mm -hmm. to God, and in increasing wholeheartedness? Mm -hmm. yes. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah, addressing, so becoming aware, becoming a student of the false self is necessary. Um, so it's, it, it totally is. And when you're going to be, when you're talking about becoming all that God intended to become the man that God intends you to become, it is stripping away all of those things to which we are self-sufficient, right? Right. <laughs> that's, right. that's the false self is uh, basically uh, hiding, posing, you mentioned, and being self-sufficient 
is, uh, and that's not the life that God intended for us. But right. he, I mean, he created us to be reliant on others and on him, didn't he? Right. But with, and, and here's what's so helpful and important, okay? Because every one of us bears the image of God and bears the image of God as a man or as a woman. And so if you could feel all the layers of Michael, the person you'd see is a man, right? With a particular set of giftings, a unique expression of God. And so I am a very intense person. And for years that benefited me and it got me in a lot of trouble, right? And I got to the point where my intensity would lead to exhaustion. And I began to resent my intensity. And I began to try to repent from my intensity. I didn't want to be intense. And what I found is you can't repent from the image of God in yourself. You can't run from that person. But here's the key is that that part of God's image, particularly seated in me, Morgan Snyder's intensity, was in the service of the false self. So -hmm. when I use my intensity and overdo it, I overbuild, I oversolve, I overplan, I overstrategize, it leads to exhaustion. But when my intensity, the image of God in me, is brought under the care of Christ, the rule of Christ, the leadership of Christ, then I become the kind of king who can bring the intensity in the service of love on behalf of others. And so my intensity is what allowed me to write the book, Becoming a King, and to write a study guide, to walk a guy really deep through the message, and to make the video series and to lead events for over a decade with men. That's my intensity. And so the issue is not um, um, repenting from my intensity. It's how do I bring myself under God so that my, it's expressed through my true self and not through the false self. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And as I was reading Becoming a King, I remember you mentioning that, how the the uh, gifting of God, um, it manifests itself in the false as well as what's true. Um, and that was a really interesting point. Um, but I wanted to turn a corner and, and ask if you could explain about the five habitats in which the soul of man can, th- can thrive. Uh, what are they? And can you tell us how each of them is uniquely beneficial for men? Sure. That, that's a conversation that would need several campfires, for sure. And we have um, some limited time here. But what I would suggest um, by way of uh, an introduction into that is there is a way that men operate. We find ourselves. We're, um, we're, we're builders, right? You look at most men, and it's amazing how often you can sum up, for example, just these core driving energies of something like make a name for ourselves, get something going, you know, build a bank account. Like we have these driving energies to succeed. And again, in and of themselves, they're not bad. But it's the question of where have they gone? The world says build. The world says take the first, you know, take charge, lead, you shall be first. And the kingdom is an upside down kingdom. Jesus says these radical things where he says the first shall be last. Mm -hmm. He says in order to build, you have to first excavate. Mm. He's the one that says slow and steady actually wins 
the race. And so what I found as I walked with many mentors over these decades is a paradox and an upside down kingdom. And what I tried to distill um, by way of these ancient stones are the best I could for distilling and curating kind of these core ideas that fundamentally feel the opposite of the ways of the world, but in the end, feel like the ancient wisdom that leads us to life. And an example of that, um, one of them is this idea that no shortcuts exist. And if you look at our culture, and, you, and I look even in my own soul, I am always looking for a shortcut. I planted a few very small pine trees this weekend, and I could tell I didn't want to take the time to mix in good soil. And then they were on a slope in a semi-desert climate. And I didn't want to take the time to build the berms and to erect the walls that will be catch basins for water. And if I would have planted these trees years ago, I wouldn't have done that. And they would have fought bravely and died quickly, like most men. <laughs> but instead, I uh. knew if I want those trees to grow healthy and to grow into maturity, if I want those trees to become the kind of trees that my grandkids will climb and build tree forts in and a rope swing, then I have to take the time to prepare the soil, to excavate and to build the berms and to and, and make them ready to receive nutrients. And Jesus says that. He says there's no shortcuts. Um, there's no surefire way for a shortcut to God. And we're always looking for shortcuts. And so there's something honoring to the soul to just say it out loud. Whatever else is operating in your life, to ask the question, where are you trying to find a shortcut? And the path to the kingdom is not cheap. It's not easy. It's not quick, but it is life. It is available. It's not up to us. God's the initiator. We are the response. And so that is one of the examples of if wherever else we're orienting ourselves to God and his initiation to consent to the belief that shortcuts are not our friend is, is very healing for the masculine soul. The other ones, um, I just encourage you to honor people and their time and the portion. I would just say dive into the Becoming a King resources and take your time uh, uncovering the others. Yeah, before we hit record, you were telling me a little bit about some of the resources that are available for those who pre-order the book. Um, and so could you tell us, you know, how can we get a copy of it? Uh, Pre-ordering is available now, I believe. And what are some of those resources? Yeah, this was a super total joy bomb. Uh, we recorded, I, I recorded the audio book myself because it's just, it's my story. And I felt impassioned to communicate my heart to all the, the readers, the audio listeners. So I was in the studio recording, and as I was recording, I just had a prompting of, you know, it would be really powerful for the, for the listeners is not only hear the message, but hear from the lives of men who have lived this message. So this came out of my choosing the lower seat at the table over 20 years ago and consenting to apprenticeship and training. And over those years, I 
found like-hearted young men that wanted to become wholehearted kings one day. And we chose to do life together. And so alongside of me, there were, there were several guys that consented to a decade of becoming the kind of man, the kind of king to whom God can gladly entrust the care of his kingdom. And so many men have come through now, become good soil, but several of these guys, I pulled them into the studio and I said, I want to hear it from you. What's it been like? What's the impact? What's the process of consenting to this sort of radical reorientation to the gospel? And so we had a great dialogue and that is available on the Becoming a King audiobook exclusively. But when I was recording with those guys, I felt like the spirit said, you know, what would be really awesome is to get their wives said my favorite stories that I hear ever in 22 years are when a woman writes in and she writes a letter. And I know, Michael, you know these stories, right? Because you deal with so much restoration. When a woman says, thank you for what God has done for me through what he's done in my husband. And, and so I thought it, the most beautiful thing would be to get these women in the studio and hear from them. What's been the impact of, on you, on your children, on your community from a husband who consented to the slow and steady path and process of restoring his heart as a man? So my wife was there. I, didn't, I had to have courage to say, I'm not hiding. I'm going to bring my wife in. She has mm-hmm. some really honest things to say for better uh, and for worse. Yeah. And I brought the wives of my other buddies. And that is an exclusive audio collection that's available for anyone that pre-orders. So if you pre-order any of the resources, the Becoming a King book or video or study guide, uh, all you do is submit that on the website and let them know you pre-ordered it. And the publisher mm-hmm. sends that download directly to you. And it's just a delightful, winsome conversation that men and women will equally really enjoy. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to take a look at that. So of course, um, listeners can buy the book on Amazon and so on, wherever they can find books these days. And and then they head over to becomingaking.com, right? Yes. Everything's available at becomingaking.com. As far as the message, there's a beautiful trailer and the suite of resources. But most importantly, that website ties you into a fellowship. There are a fellowship of like-hearted men and women who love to see men restored, who have been doing life increasingly together. And there's blogs and podcasts, events online and locally, all through becomegoodsoil.com. But it's a growing fellowship that's been slow and steadily um, emerging over the last decade. And that's in becoming a king is kind of the center message of it. Wow. So a host of resources there and community as well. That's incredible. Awesome. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was really great to have you. I know this is going to be a blessing for so many people. Yeah, it's an honor to be with you, Michael. You know, we spent uh, the majority of our work over the last 20 years touches in the area of sexual restoration. Mm-hmm. It's an area that um, has is very tender because there is an intermingling of what we were made for and what happens when the human heart is not tended to. And so I just want to say in closing for you and for your listeners and for your fellowship is there is so much more available that we have been led to believe. There's so much restoration. There's so much coming home. 
as a son. There's so much care available from an affectionate father and from a loving mother. When we learn to receive God as mother, God is our first and foremost nurturer and comforter and caregiver. And these are deep waters and there's more on Become Good Soil on this. It's a whole nother podcast for another time. But I simply want to leave with courage that there is so much available. Don't lose heart and don't give way because it's available and there's more. Yeah, so much more. Definitely words of wisdom. Thank you for adding that for sure.